Well, one counselor shared about a, a gentleman named Bob. They came to see him, and, and he was wrestling with depression. And Bob said two things when he met with the counselor. He said, I'm a broken man, and I have nothing. The counselor wisely shared with Bob. He said, I want to give you some homework. This week, go home and write down a list of 10 things that you're thankful for. A few days later, when Bob came back, he simply said, I cannot do it. I cannot do it. I'll show you what happened to Bob here in just a moment. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 3, verse 33. It says, the Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the home of the righteous. We're going to look at two roads here today, the one of blessing versus the one of curse. We're going to see it in the life of Jehoshaphat, one of the most important stories in the Old Testament about this king who's going to have a chance to choose which road he wants to take. And from his life, there are tremendous life lessons and principles to just live our life in alignment with the truth from his story. It's found in 2 Chronicles chapter 18 to 20. I'll read a few verses and kind of summarize what took place in his life. We start out, though, we're told Jehoshaphat had great wealth and honor, and he allied himself with Ahab by marriage. Starting out here, we have to notice something very important here. You may not recognize Jehoshaphat's name so much. We should recognize Ahab's name because Ahab was married to one of the most famous women in all of history. His wife was Jezebel. And Ahab and Jezebel, they are this couple that represents just selfishness and sin and evil. And Jehoshaphat foolishly decides he needs to align himself with Ahab and Jezebel. Now, here's the key. Ahab is the king of Israel, and Jehoshaphat is the king of Judah. And Jehoshaphat's going to follow Ahab around like sort of a lapdog. We're told that what happens next is Ahab says to Jehoshaphat, will you go to war with me against Ramoth Gilead? Now, Jehoshaphat has a big choice to make. He's already aligned himself with this king, and now the king says, go to war. Be my partner in this battle. Jehoshaphat has some thoughts about this, though. He says, why don't we seek counsel from other people? And so they get some counsel, and the one that stands out the most, the words of the prophet Micaiah, who said, I saw Israel scattered on a hill like sheep without a shepherd. And so Micaiah says, don't go to battle. You're going to lose. And what's Ahab's response? Put this man in prison and give him nothing but bread and water until I return from battle. What happens in that battle is going to change the, the history of these countries and the history of these two men. Dan Soder, an author and director, wisely said, all greatness comes through failure. All greatness comes through failure. It's recognizing the lessons when we fall on our face or, or when our dream that we aim for, we, we miss the mark. And it's what we do with that failure. And Jehoshaphat and Ahab, they're about to fail miserably and they're going to have to choose. Am I going to live a life where I'm told the Lord's, the Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the home of the righteous? You know, Proverbs 3 adds to the curse is on the wicked and says, and on the proud and on fools. So let's look at three, these three wicked 
and proud and fools and the lessons contained therein. What is the wicked? Certainly we understand what evil and sin is. You look at Deuteronomy chapter 19, what does Moses tell the people? Keep all these commandments to do them, which I command thee this day, to love the Lord thy God and to walk ever in his ways. The wicked reject the counsel of God, but the righteous seek to follow his commands. We know Mark 12, when Jesus was asked, there's a lot of commands, which are the most important. And he, of course, says, love God and love your neighbor. Well, how do you love your neighbor? He doesn't mean the physical person next door. He means whoever you rub shoulders with. And the reality is most of those people, we don't know them at all. So how do you love people as you love yourself? Does it mean you have to be friends and close? Here's a very practical way to love your neighbor as yourself, a very scriptural way to do that. The wicked don't care. They live for self. The righteous say, how do I love my neighbor as myself? A very practical way is to take Moses' words, keep these commandments. The way you love your neighbor is to keep the commandments of God. Start with the Ten Commandments. The way you love your neighbor is to uphold that integrity. Don't lie. Don't steal. Don't cheat. Don't be selfish. Don't take as you and I do that, we bring about a sense of positive change in somebody else's life by our integrity, by our example. The curse is on the wicked, the curse is on the proud. There's nothing wrong with pride and a job well done. What the, the sinful pride in scripture is when one has this belief that their own abilities accomplish things, not God's grace. It's like what Jesus said to religious people he encountered. You're great looking on the outside, but inside you're dead. And pride is this excessive belief that one in their own strength is good enough and self-righteous. What does Isaiah say? This is what the high and holy one says. I live in a high and holy place. And I dwell with those who are contrite and lowly in spirit. Those that say, you know what? If you want to be first, then be last. If you want to be the greatest, then be the least. Because God dwells with people that are humble in heart and say, I need your grace every day. What happens next to Jehoshaphat and Ahab? We're told that Ahab disguises himself, goes to battle, and then we're told in Second Chronicles, but someone drew their bow at random and hit the king of Israel between the breastplate and the scale armor, and at sunset he died. Ahab refused wisdom. He had tremendous pride. He was wicked. And in that selfishness, the pride, the wicked, the foolishness, now his life comes to an end a consequence of his own sin. The next verse tells us, though, Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, went back to his palace in Jerusalem. They lose the battle. Jehoshaphat escapes barely with his life. Now his mentor is gone. This person that he followed around like a lapdog is gone. And he's frightened. He escapes. He's back at his palace. And he's about to face the choice what do you do, again, with failure? As Laura's story says, 
Am I going to let my circumstances determine my view of God? Or am I going to let God determine how I view my circumstances? The Lord's curse is on the, the wicked and the proud and then the fool. And a fool is simply somebody that refuses wisdom. Warren Wiersbe says something very, just very profound here. He quotes Charles Spurgeon, who said, God never made a promise that was too good to be true. And then Wearsby says this, though, very wise. He says, but every promise must be claimed by faith. Unless the promises of God are mixed with faith, they accomplish nothing. You see, a fool, they, they refuse wisdom. The wise, though, say, let me take the word of God, apply it to my life. Not just listen to it, but mix it with faith, claim it, walk it out, live it, obey it, declare it. You know, here's some things that you and I can do to go through Scripture, circle those promises of God. Put together a list, as Mark Batterson says, of God-glorifying goals. As Batterson says, define your dream, claim your promise, spell your miracle. You see, it's, it's one thing to read that I can do all things through Christ that gives me the strength and find that inspirational. It's another to step out in faith and say, because I can do all things through Christ, I'm going to have no fear and to take that risk. It's one thing to read the, the promises of God there on the blessings for those who seek holiness. It's another to say that I'm going to live my life set apart in alignment with Christ. Back to Bob who said, I'm a broken man. I have nothing. He was told, come up with a list of 10 things. He says, I cannot do it. What the counselor do? They said, come up then with one thing you're thankful for. The next week, they added a second thing. The next week, they added a third thing until after weeks, Bob had a list of 10. Then he had 15 and 20 things he was thankful for. And suddenly his thinking changed. Then his emotions changed. Then his actions changed. Then he began to live differently. Because there's two paths here, as Solomon says. There's the path where the curse is on the wicked, the proud, the fool. But then he says this, the Lord blesses the home of the righteous. The Lord blesses the home of the righteous. Gary Berteau shares something here, just uh, remarkable. And he himself, he knows a lot about illness. Gary Berteau had a heart attack and died. And when they called the ER, as he was taken to the hospital, and they shocked his heart back. Eight more times, his heart stopped beating. It was a record of how many times somebody, their heart stopped beating, and they were brought back, and they didn't end up having this brain damage. What happened to Gary? He went into a coma. By God's grace and a healing miracle, he fully recovered. Then one day, he was with Marilyn Hickey, and he shared, I asked Marilyn Hickey, how do you travel around the world and never get sick? She said, I lay hands on my body and pray that I do not get sick. I asked her to lay hands on me and pray. She refused. Now we're called to pray one for another and pray for each other's healing. But in this moment, she refused. 
She's about to teach him a, a very valuable lesson that again goes from hearing the word to doing the word. You see, the fools refuse wisdom. The wise, though, say, how do I take this and apply it to my life? Back to Gary, he says, Marilyn said to me, you need to lay hands on your own body and pray for healing. Speak the word over yourself. That is how you stay healthy. Berteau said, I now do this daily. If I feel any illness or pain, I lay hands on myself. I rebuke it. I tell it, get off my body and stop troubling me. And I declare by the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. See, that is mixing the word with faith. We can read that Jesus, by his stripes, we are healed. It's a physical, a mental, emotional. And we can find that inspirational, or we can say, I claim that. And I pray that over myself, and I pray that over others. And I believe it with faith, and I walk that out. There's an example for for husbands, and then we'll see for parents, as Paul Miller said, prayer is where I do my best work as a husband, dad, worker, and friend. Parents and grandparents, here is a prayer, and maybe you haven't prayed for your family much. Here's a prayer from King David, one for every parent, grandparent to take and make a daily prayer for your kids and grandkids. This is mixing the word with faith, not just listening, but taking that word and saying, I'm going to do that. This is David's prayer for his son Solomon, who, of course, wrote Proverbs as we're reading. Here was David's prayer. You wonder why Solomon turned out to, to be this person that was so wise, a gift from God, and followed God faithfully for so many years? 1 Chronicles 29.19, David's prayer, give my son Solomon a perfect heart to keep your words and your laws and to obey them all. For parents and grandparents to begin to pray, God, give my son, my daughter, a perfect heart to keep your words, your law, to obey them all. What happened to Jehoshaphat? He's back in the palace. He's scared. He's alone. And Jehu, the prophet, says to him, there is some good in you. We all need to hear that at the low moments of our life. Jehu says, there is some good in you. And here's your chance, he says. He goes on to tell the king, you know, you took down the, the idol places where idol worship was done. And now you set your heart to seek God. Jehoshaphat pulls himself together, we're told. He appoints Levites and priests to administer the law of God. And he says to them, serve faithfully and wholeheartedly in the fear of the Lord. His transformation is not done yet. But again, here's another place to mix the word with faith. This is something that uh, Glenn Bertou shares as a daily prayer. One for you and I to take as well, which is simply, Lord, I receive the blessings you have for me today. If the blessings of the Lord are on the house of the righteous, then daily you and I can declare with faith, confidence, Lord, I receive the blessings you have for me today. Here's the challenge. Jehoshaphat says, I'm going to serve God. And we're told in the next verse, two words after this, after this, two key words after this, 
what happened after this. After this, the Moabites and Ammonites came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. What is the lesson here? Anytime you and I stand up and declare faith and say, I'm going to do that and I'm going to walk in that and I'm going to live in that, trust after that. The enemy's going to come in like a flood. That's what happened to Jehoshaphat. It's what happens to us. And rather than fearing that, expect it and then declare your faith in Christ and resist the devil, he will flee. But anytime you and I stand up for Christ, just trust after this, the enemy is going to come along and say, really? You really think success comes after your greatest failure? I'm here to test that. You really think you're going to become a missionary? I'm here to challenge that. We'll see how Jehoshaphat had victory when the enemy came in like a flood. Here's something you and I can do starting now. Linda Shepard says this, you'll find more answers to your prayers when you pray in the blood of Jesus. It is powerful to end prayer with in the powerful blood of Jesus. When you and I walk in that daily strength and say by the name above all names and by the blood that was shed for me, I declare the enemy's power is broken. And God, will you bless this family as we walk out in righteousness, this life in Christ. Jehoshaphat has a big choice. And we're told all the people of Judah came together to pray from every town. Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly and in a loud voice said, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven you rule the kingdoms of nations. Power and might are in your hand. No one can withstand you. Here's a key thing he says. We will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and cry out to you in our distress. And you will hear us and save us. When the after this shows up and the enemy comes in like a flood, just simply say, I'm going to stand in this temple of God. I'm going to stand in worship. And cry out to heaven. And my God will hear and save us. We're told that Jehoshaphat then bowed down to the ground. All the people began to worship. And the next day they go out to face these armies. And here's the difference this time. They prayed about it. They knew victory was theirs. And here's what happened next. Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for his holiness going out ahead of the army saying what does he do now ahead of his army he puts worshipers and they sing this song give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever Give thanks to the Lord. His love endures forever. When your marriage is suffering, give thanks to the Lord. His love endures forever. He will bring that healing. When you're facing a brokenness in your heart, give thanks to the Lord. His love endures forever. He will bring the answer. When you are fearful, give thanks to the Lord. His love endures forever. As Max Lucado says so beautifully, wouldn't you love God to write nevertheless in your biography? Born to alcoholics, nevertheless, she led a sober life. Never went to college, nevertheless, he mastered a trade. Never read the Bible until after retirement, nevertheless, 
He came to a deep and abiding faith. That is what grace does. Because nevertheless is upon the lips of those who declare, give thanks to the Lord. His love endures forever. In closing, we're told Jehoshaphat, his army had victory. His kingdom was at peace. And God gave him rest on every side. Because the blessings of the Lord are on the house of the righteous. When we mix the word with faith and walk it out. This is Meredith Kendall, Nashville, Tennessee. She had a ministry to prisons. Shared the gospel with inmates. One day she shared it with a, a gang member. He gave his life to Christ. Left the gang, cleaned up his life. The rest of the gang were furious. They put a hit out on Meredith. She said she even saw the hit man on the street and kindly waved, having no idea anybody was out to get her. This man caught her in her house, beat her to death, and left, believing she had died. She survived the attack, long recovery, not just physically broken, though, she was emotionally broken. Now she suffered PTSD, wouldn't leave her house, wouldn't go to the prison, wouldn't reach out to inner youth where she used to teach any longer, frightened for months. Then one day she said, it came down to this, do I believe the promises of God? Here's what she did. I spent months in prayer to pray through my fears and ask for freedom from my thoughts. And I stopped letting fear serve as my reality. One day she was invited to D.C. to talk to a congresswoman about doing outreach to families in need. She went. As she got back home, she realized I did that entire trip without being anxious or fearful at all. What does Meredith Kendall do today? She's back teaching inner city youth. And she's back in the prison sharing the gospel. Because nevertheless, because when we mix the word with faith and believe in our hearts and worship and pray, and declare, give thanks to the Lord. His love endures forever. There's nothing that the enemy can do to stop our life from glorifying Christ in all things.